This is a Courageous Church podcast, equipping and empowering you to live a courageous life. Join us now as we listen to a message from Courageous Church in Salt Lake City, Utah. And so today we're going to be picking up where we left off last week with a message I'm calling Promise Keeper. Promise Keeper. I want to begin today with a question. Has anyone ever broken a promise that they've made to you? Yeah, I think if you're alive and breathing, you've had people in your life that have broken promises that they've made to you. But, but how about you? Have you ever broken a promise that you've made to someone else? Certainly not, certainly not me, right? Certainly not you. But how'd that make you feel? How'd that, how'd that leave you feeling? Devastated? Crushed? Right? Frustrated? Maybe a little confused? Betrayed? Sad? The reason why we feel that way is because promises are supposed to matter. They're supposed to mean something. They're supposed to signal to us the importance of things that are meant to last. Now on my left hand, on my ring finger, is a ring. And this ring is a signifier or a signal of the promise that I made to my wife to love her and to cherish her all the days of her life. And hopefully mine. But how many of you guys know that it would be very possible for me to break that promise, right? For those of you that have gone through divorce, we know your pain is real. And how many of you guys know it would be very easy for her to break her promise to me? But I want to declare to us today that God will never break his promises. He will never break his promise because he's a promise-keeping God. He is the promise-keeper the promise keeper, which means that he cannot and he will not ever turn back on his word. And I I think this is important because of the kinds of promises that he actually makes to us as believers. Picking up where we left off last Sunday, the writer in Hebrews chapter six, if you have a Bible, go there with me. Beginning in verses 13 through 15, says this in the NIV. When God made his promise, To Abraham, since there was no one greater for him to swear by, he swore by himself, saying, I will surely bless you and give you many descendants. And so after waiting patiently, Abraham received what was promised. The Lord is a promise keeper. Today we're going to look at some of the promises of God for our lives, and then we're going to turn our attention to why we can put our trust or our faith in God to keep his promises. All throughout the Bible, we see evidence of all sorts of different promises that God makes to all sorts of different kinds of people. For example, to the weak and the weary, listen to this, he gives strength to the weary and he increases the power of the weak. For those that hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. That's Isaiah 40, verses 29 through 31. That's a promise that he makes to the weak and the weary. Here's another one. To the troubled and distressed, he says this in Nahum chapter 1, verse 7. The Lord is good, a refuge in times of trouble. He cares for those who trust in him. For those that are troubled, he is what? A refuge. I like this scripture. The other day we were at In-N-Out Burger and on the back of my burger wrapper was Nahum 1-7. I said, I gotta include that in my message on Sunday. Thank God for In-N-Out. Come on, somebody. 
Psalm 102 echoes this in verse 17. He will respond to the prayer of the destitute. He will not despise their plea. I love that. So to the troubled and to the destitute, the distressed, he responds to their cries. Okay, how about for those that need direction or maybe lacking some wisdom? That might be some of us today. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding and in all of your ways submit your life to him and he will make your path straight. Some translations say he will order your steps. I love that verse. James 1 through 5 says it this way in the New Testament. If any of you lack what? Wisdom. You should ask God. Not ask Jeeves. Not ask Google. Not ask your friends on Facebook. Not ask, come on. Ask God. And the Bible says here that he gives generously to all without finding fault. As I already mentioned earlier, he's a generous God. He loves to give. And then he goes on to, to give us this promise, and it will be given to you. If any of you lack wisdom or understanding, ask him and he will give to you. Now, those are all sorts of promises that he makes to all sorts of different people. But what about to nations or people groups? Listen to what Exodus chapter 6 says. To the nation of Israel, he says this, Therefore, say to the children of Israel, I am the Lord. I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will rescue you from their bondage, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great judgments. I will take you as my people, and I will be your God. That's a promise. I will be, he says. And then he goes on to qualify what he's going to do. I will bring you into the land which I swore to give to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I will give it to you as a heritage because I am the Lord. There's so much conflict today over the land in Israel because the Lord made a promise to Abraham. Because the Lord made a promise to his people that he would be their God, that he would bring them out of slavery, out of bondage, into a place symbolically flowing with milk and honey, a place of blessing. Or how about Exodus 19, just a little bit later in the story? Now, therefore, if you indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you will be a special treasure to me above all people, for the earth is mine. And you'll be to me a kingdom of priests and a what? A holy nation. These are the words which you shall speak to the children of Israel. So he makes a promise to this particular people group, this particular tribe, to turn them into what? A great nation. A holy nation, separate, distinct, set apart for a specific purpose. But he also makes promises to other nations. Listen to this, Psalm 33, 12. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. How many of you guys know living in the U.S. right now, we could remind ourselves of this, we, that we would be a people that would grab a hold of this again. But Ezekiel 38 is astounding to me, verse 23. And so I will show my greatness and my holiness, not just to Israel, but I will make myself known in the sight of many nations. For those of you that have family from other nations, we just met with a gal yesterday whose family's from India. She's actually moving out of Utah. She's going to North Carolina, but her family's from India and they are ministers in India and they are seeing God do extraordinary things in India. Some of you have been to other nations. I've been to Mexico. I've been to Nigeria. I've been to New Zealand and Canada and Candace and I just went to Ireland back in January and we've seen the goodness of God in other nations. How many are thankful that God isn't just a respecter of persons, but he is willing to give his blessing and his goodness to others? Amen. Listen to what he says to us 
in the New Testament, in the book of Revelation, chapter 7, verses 9 through 10. And after this, I looked and behold a what? Great multitude that no one could number from every nation, every nation. So if I didn't name yours today, just know that yours is included in this mix. For those of you watching online, we greet you. <laughs> we have people that watch us in the Philippines, in France, in Venezuela, all over. So the Bible says every nation, from every nation, from all tribes, peoples, and languages. And they are standing before the throne and before the Lamb of God. We were just singing about it today. Clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands. Shouting out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God. The, the Lamb, uh, the one who sits on the throne and, and to the Lamb. Amen? So in the end, we're going to see every nation represented before the throne of God. Lifting up their Hosanna. Lifting up their hands in praise and worshiping Him. So he makes... These kinds of promises to people groups and to nations. But he also makes promises to business leaders and employers and rulers and authorities and to those who honor him with their wealth and with their giving, to those that have integrity, to those that act justly and that love mercy, to husbands and wives who walk together in covenant. And yes, he even makes promises to their offspring, to their children for generations upon generations upon generations. But above all of these promises that he makes, I believe some of the most important promises that he makes are the ones that he makes to us as believers, as sons and daughters adopted into his family, made righteous heirs. And if you've put your hope and your faith or your trust in Jesus today, that is what you are. You are now a righteous heir of God. The Apostle Paul would go on to qualify this idea by saying things like this in Romans chapter 8, verses 16 through 17. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are what? Children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided that we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. And then he goes on to say this in his letter to the Ephesians. In Ephesians chapter three, verses four through six, he expounds on this idea. When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of man and other generations, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. Verse six, this mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs members of the same body and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. He's a promise keeper and he makes promises to his people, to his sons, to his daughters, to his babies, to his righteous heirs. Amen. And as a result of us putting our hope and our faith and our trust in him, we get to be partakers of the promise. And that's good news for us today. So he extends the promise, not just to his holy people, Israel, but to Gentiles like you and I, who get to be adopted into his family, not by birth, but by rebirth, what Jesus calls being born again, or born of the spirit, born of the heavens. We receive this life that calls us, or that causes us to cry out, Abba, Father, we receive the right of sonship or, or being his child, his son or his daughter, which causes us to say dad, which means that we're now in a familial family relationship with him, which is such an amazing reality and such an amazing promise that he gives us. 
So if you don't belong to Jesus and you don't know Jesus and you haven't put your faith in him for your salvation and your justification and your sanctification, all those things, then you don't get to be a partaker of the promise. But if you do, all that is in Christ Jesus, all that's wrapped up with him, as we've been walking through Hebrews, seeing all the things that we have access to in him, every good promise, every good work, every good thing, every blessing is now yours by grace through faith alone. Amen? And that is an amazing reality. So, it's precisely because God is a promise keeper that he wants us to have both a hope and a future in him. The writer in Hebrews chapter six, now picking back up with our text, verses 16 through 18 goes on to say it this way. People sometimes swear by someone greater than themselves and the oath confirms what is said and puts an end to all argument. Verse 17, because God wanted to make the unchanging nature of his purpose very clear to the heirs of what was promised, he confirmed it with an oath. God did this so that, verse 18, by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled to take hold of the hope set before us may be greatly encouraged. Say it with me today, hope. hope. Say it with me, encouragement. God wants you to grab a hold of hope and he wants you to be greatly encouraged in your faith. This is my one and only point. It's my big idea today. If you hear nothing else, hear this. God wants you to take hold of hope and he wants you to be greatly encouraged in your faith. Verses 19 through 20 go on to say this. For we have this hope as an anchor for the soul. I love this verse. Firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary. What enters? Our hope. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where our forerunner, Jesus, has entered on our behalf. People of God, the scriptures declared that we have this hope. It's a very specific kind of hope. First and foremost, it's not hype. So regardless of what song and dance I do up here or how much I get you rallied or inspired or whatever, it's not about hype. It's about something that's everlasting and eternal, something that has already entered into the Holy of Holies with Jesus, who the scriptures just tell us is our forerunner, meaning he's already gone before where we are intended to follow. A couple weeks ago, we talked about the idea that God beckons us to come into his throne room now because of the blood of Jesus and to come before him with confidence so that we can find help in our time of need. The Bible says he's, he's more than willing to give us grace and mercy in our time of need. But we can't do that if Jesus didn't first make a way, if he didn't first enter in. The Bible says that he made a way through the curtain, through the Holy of Holies, by way of his own blood and by way of his own flesh. Today we're going to take communion in just a few minutes and we're going to remember that Jesus' body was torn and his blood was spilled so that we could have access to God, so that we could come before him forgiven and free and justified and sanctified and made holy and be able to be a partaker of every good and perfect promise in Christ Jesus. So this is what the writer is saying, and he's trying to draw our attention off of ourselves and to get it back on God, who is saying, come, all you who are thirsty, come, all you who are weary, come, all you who are worn out, come and find grace and mercy in your time of need. I've got more than enough to meet every need that you have, but come 
And because Jesus made a way for it to happen, you and I get to enter in. Now, the language here is tabernacle language. It's language that's borrowed from the Old Covenant where the tabernacle was established and there was an outer court and an inner court and a holy of holies, a, a court within the inner court that is a type and shadow, the writer will go on to tell us, of things that are already happening in the heavens. And so as believers, when we come together to worship we get to be a part of a much bigger church service than what we're just doing here in this place, in these pews, in Salt Lake City. No, we are joining with angels in festal gathering. We are coming together with saints in eternity past and saints in eternity present to worship the Lamb of God who was slain and who is risen, who is now, what, seated at the right hand of the Father, where we now also are seated and established with him. The Bible says we are seated with him in heavenly places. So our status with him, our justification, our salvation, all these things that we've been talking about for the past, I don't know, seven or eight weeks are things that are secure in Christ. And because they're secure in him and we get to be with him and he gets to be with us, then we get to be partakers of every good thing. Amen. And so the, the writer here is trying to help us grab a hold of this hope. This hope that, the, the, that life as it currently is isn't all there is. That there's more to life than what it seems. And he wants us to be encouraged because the truth is we're going to get discouraged. We're going to get frustrated. We're going to face obstacles and challenges. Some of you right now, you're facing real obstacles and real challenges in your life. And he wants you to take hold of this hope so that you're Faith is rooted in him so that you can stand firm in him so that you won't waver or turn back when times get tough and they always do. And because he wants us to know this, the Bible says here that he wants the unchanging nature of his purposes to be clear to us. You know what that tells me? He's not playing peek a boo with you. He's not playing hide and seek with you. He wants things to be very clear for you today. He hasn't hidden anything from you. He's hidden things for you. And he says, come to me and find life. Come to me and find rest. Come to me and find grace. Come to me and find mercy. Come to me and find hope. Come to me and be encouraged. So that's the purpose today. As Hebrews 7 tells us, Jesus also lives forever to make intercession for us. He is right now pleading with the Father on your behalf. That is so awesome to me that you are on his mind and I am on his mind today. My question is this, is he on our mind today? Did you wake up with him on your mind today or with a thousand things that you need to get to? <laughs> You're on his mind today. He's pleading with the Father on your behalf. He, he's, he's praying for you. The Bible actually says the Holy Spirit is interceding for us as well. And as I always like to say, two, two out of three members of the Godhead is pretty good odds. <laughs> the odds are forever in your favor, is what I'm trying to say today. God doesn't want you to give up, and he doesn't want you to lose hope, and he doesn't want you to turn back. And as a result, he gives us this hope as what? As an anchor for our souls. The, the illustration or the imagery of an anchor is so that what? We're not tossed around by the waves by the wind, by the, the moving tides of culture. And we're seeing that happen right now, aren't we, in our world? A lot of movement. 
It's like the last three or four years, all of a sudden things just went like crazy. He wants us to have this hope as an anchor for your soul. Firm and secure. Is it because you're firm and secure? No, it's because he's firm and secure. And because he's firm and secure, he wants you to be firm and secure. He wants you to know this everlasting hope, to not give up, to not be discouraged, but to know that all of his promises for your life are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. Meaning that there's agreement over the good things that he speaks over your life. The good things that Jesus is interceding for you about right now. The good things that he's speaking over your life, even when you're not aware. I love that. So what do we need to do, church? What's our response today? We said this is a practical guide for uncommon living. So let's make it practical. What's our response? Like Abraham in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 15, we need to wait patiently. It says this, and so after waiting patiently, Abraham received what was promised. How many of you would say you're not very patient people? Just ask my wife. Pastor Jason is not always a very patient person. I thought I was until I got married, and then I realized I'm not very patient at all. As an aside, men, you can feel my, my pain on this when your wife's getting ready in the morning and she's putting on the makeup and doing the hair and all the things, and you're, you're like, come on, we gotta go. And then my wife lovingly reminds me, all you had to do was run a bar of soap over your body and comb your hair. I gotta put on the makeup, the eyeliner, the mascara, the lip gloss, gotta curl my hair, I gotta straighten my hair, blow dry my hair, put on my things, make sure my outfit matches, my shoes match, my, right? which we are very grateful for. Yes, mind you. Thank you, ladies, for doing all of that work. We respect it. There's times when I'm not very patient. Those are probably the moments. Where I'm like, come on, we gotta go, let's go. And then you have kids, for those of you that are parents. <laughs> and you learn a whole nother level of patience. Right now I got three teenagers and they're, they're teaching me how to be patient, which is good, praise God. But the Bible here says that Abraham waited patiently for the Lord to receive what God had promised to him. The reason our hope is meant to be firm and secure is not because we are. It's not because you've got the perfect five-year plan all mapped out because you got all the money in the bank that you need. You got the car, the spouse, the things, the house, all that. No. It's because the Lord is your light and salvation. Whom then shall you fear? It's because the Lord is the strength of your life. Whom then shall you be afraid? And then the psalmist goes on to say this at the very end of that promise. Wait patiently for the Lord. Be brave and courageous. We like that word here. Yes, wait patiently for the Lord. If you have it, throw it up there. Psalm 27, verse 14 and the NLT. Wait patiently. For many of us, this is the hardest thing to do, to wait patiently. But that's the invitation. Like all the heroes of faith and all those that we read about in the scriptures, many of them had to wait. Many of them had to suffer. Many of them had to go through trials and tribulations and difficulties to receive the promise of the thing that they were waiting for. And the writer here brings our attention to Abraham because Abraham finally, when Jesus arrived, got to see the thing that he was waiting for. That's a long time. That's a very long time. Same with Moses, same with Joseph, same with Joshua, same with David, same with all these people. You guys remember David, King David had to wait. He was given the promise that he would be king. And I'm sure he thought, all right, by Friday or Saturday, life's gonna be really good. 
he didn't know that it was going to be quite a few years before he got to receive the promise that he was waiting on. For some of you today, you've been waiting on a promise from God for a while now. And I want to encourage you to not give up hope, to not turn back, to not become dismayed, to not be discouraged, but to keep waiting patiently because him who promised is faithful. We serve a faithful God, church. Amen. Thank you for listening today. If you were blessed and you want to be a part of what God is doing through Courageous Church, including ways that you can give, visit us online at courageouschurch.com.